everyone. So for today, I thought I'd do something a little different. I'll be speaking softly today instead of whispering. I don't have a good sound recorder yet and the mic on my camera isn't great for picking up sound at a distance so I think it might be better if I speak softly today instead of whispering. It would be more about page turning and quiet observation than any major talking today. So this is the first of the series that I want to do on coffee table books. So I'm going to make hopefully a series of videos with beautifully photographed and illustrated coffee table books. I hope it'll be relaxing for you because there won't be any major reading, it's just watching me slowly turn the pages and hearing the crinkling of the paper. And for this first episode, I'm going to be leafing through this book called Automobiles, Elegance on Wheels by Ron Kimball. I got this as a birthday present a few years ago and I thought it was very considerate of the person who got it for me because I'm a bit of a car enthusiast and I know that while that's not everyone's cup of tea I hope that the nature of the video will still be relaxing for you if you like cars you might find it relaxing to watch me leafing through this book of beautiful photographs of cars. If you're not interested in cars, then you can close your eyes and relax and just listen to the paper crinkling. So, let's begin.
first section is called Built for Fun. I can't read all these upside down. <laughs> makes a car fun. The reasons are as varied as one's personal tastes. It can be the way it looks or the way it drives. It can be the fact that it has a convertible top or no top at all. It can be retro or ultra modern in design. It can be priced in the stratosphere or come with an affordable window sticker. Fun covers the gamut from a car's design to what's under the hood. Automobiles built in a whim usually have a high fun factor. What better way to describe the birth of that American icon, the Corvette, other than a whim? Hardy Earl was looking for a way to build an American sports car like the Jaguar XK120. The first effort was the 53 Corvette, which is iconic for its design, but with just 135 horsepower from its inline six and two-speed automatic transmission, didn't exactly set one's heart racing with its performance. And yet it's a stunning, fun car in its polo white exterior, shapely fiberglass body and red leather cabin. In fact, many fun cars have rather pedestrian underpinnings or harken back to a simpler time. The original Mustang, which created the concept of the American pony car, shorthand for fun coupe, was based on the stodgy Falcon economy car. Its two-door coupe styling, fast lines and low price fired the imagination of a baby boom generation just getting their licenses for the first time. Both the new VW Beetle and Mini, although based on modern mechanicals, stake their claim with designs and connect them with the original Beetle and Mini, cars that were basic transportation, but yet, in their own way, fun. Both the original Beetle and Mini were born of post-war hard times. They were cheap, easy to maintain and fun to drive. Times have changed but through the design of these true retro-inspired cars, their makers seek to recapture the spirit of these icons and that's fun. Impracticality plays a large role in fun cars. Usually they just have two seats not much cargo space and open tops. The Plymouth Prowler, which pays homage to an American hot rod, has a manual top, a small gas tank that provides less than 150 miles range, no trunk space to speak of, a V6 engine and automatic transition. And yet to see one or to be seen in one is huge fun. Having fun in cars like these means cruising, the kind of top-down, wind-in-your-hair, aimless wandering the highways and byways at a leisurely pace that only automobility can offer. Then there is serious fun. Unlike the other kind, serious fun involves good power, great handling and high style. And the fact that of rel relatively exclusivity certainly adds to the allure. Any Ferrari or Lamborghini automatically falls into this category. Not only do they offer sexy shapes, powerful engines and a great driving experience, there is that sound of their engines, great Italian basso profundo crescendos from the tailpipe, it's magic to the ears.
perhaps not as exclusive but no less serious one are late model Corvettes, particularly convertibles. Big, booming V8 power, great looks and road holding offers all the serious fun that the original did not. It's not just cars with behemoth engines that are part of the serious fun club. Lightweight, pure sports machines like those produced forever by Lotus are great road going fun. These are cars that you wear. You become part of the machine and the machine becomes part of the road. Not only does every turn, every dip become an extension of your being, the sights and sounds of nature around blends into an experience that is more than fun. It's exhilarating. For those who fret that concern over the environment may someday make impractical, fun cars obsolete, never fear. The Tesla Roadster, the world's first pure electric sports car, shows that new alternatives are in the works. With lightning quick acceleration, light steering and a road eating suspension, the Tesla keeps the fun factor alive. As long as people have the itch to take to the open road, there will be fast cars, fun cars. Chevrolet Bel Air Convertible. Thunderbird convertible. driving Route 66 in some of these babies. This is my personal favourite. Ford Mustang convertible. It's the 64 half. Extremely rare. I made a model of this once. I never got around to paint it, so it's just a white. 160th scale, I think. Could be wrong. It's iconic grill. Pantera. 
Ferrari or a Lamborghini. The Plymouth Prowler. Lotus Elise Sport 190. So small and low to the road. More sporty wheels are starting to appear. Lower profile. This is the Pontiac. Firebird Trans Am Convertible. That was our Doritos I did. What I think is cool about this car is that the name of it is seen in the design of the car. And it's exhaust. And it's blue. Ford Thunderbird again. It looks quite tall. Um, maybe to offset against this, the Lamborghini. The Lamborghini. Event on everything about this car is so sharply angled. These blades on the alloys, these insane grills, air intakes, everything. The Lotus Exige S240. There's quite a lot happening in this car. Quite a lot. The spoiler, this is pretty cool. And the exhaust.
that's the end of the fun section. We'll start Built for Prestige next. Ever since the invention of the wheel, it seems that humankind has put a lot of effort into making their conveyances nicer than their neighbours. After all, transportation is a public act, and when you're seen, naturally, you want to look your best. Or at least be seen in a vehicle that says something about you and your lot in life. This was the case with carriages throughout a good portion of the world's history. By the time the automobile appeared at the end of the 19th century, Many of these horse-drawn carriages were quite grand. The fledgling auto industry saw and understood. In fact, many automakers in the early stages of the industry built the mechanical underpinnings, but left the task of finishing the car to coach builders who stressed craftsmanship, high-quality materials and the exclusivity of bespoke bodywork to build grand expressions of personal mobility. Although they seem Anachronisms today, these coach builders were many and varied. The list is long. Figoni e Falashi, Gangloff, Brewster, Sauchik, Erdman and Rossi, the Liner and Hooper, to name a few. While they have passed from the scene, their stock and trade to create unique expressions for well-heeled clientele has not gone out of style. Major manufacturers actually absorbed many of the better-known works. Chrysler bought Le Baron, GM absorbed Fisher Body, Mulliner is part of Bentley, and in class as a Jaguar exclusive. Prestigious cars aren't necessarily built for beauty, but rather to impress. They are cars of the presence, they announce their arrival with bold looks. Prestige comes at a price. These are not cheap cars. And yet, while they all strive to make the same statement about the power, wealth and worth of their owners, cars built for prestige take many different forms. In the early days, they could be simple touring cars, roadsters or racy boat-tailed speedsters. More often than not, they had incredibly long wheelbases and powerful engines beneath the hood. Following World War II, the concept of prestige changed. Many of the traditional coach builders had disappeared. The idea of having a bespoke body created for a customer waned. Mass production was the order of the day. But that didn't mean the manufacturers might no longer build cars to impress. Large Cadillacs and Lincolns were perfect for those seeking to bowl over their neighbours. They cost more than the average automobile, but not much more. They were big, powerful and festooned with enough chrome to dazzle the eye in bright sunlight. Europeans looked to the race circuit to find its prestige. The Mercedes-Benz 300SL Gullwing, which was adapted from successful race cars, was the car of choice for the rich and famous, a favourite of celebrities and royals alike. Handsome sporty cars like Aston Martin, handcrafted in limited series production, were built just as much to impress as they were to perform. After all, if such a car is perfect for a suave sophisticate like James Bond, then what does it say about me? Somewhere near the end of the 20th century, prestige took another turn. Romano Bartioli's dream was to resurrect the Bugatti brand. But rather than build a giant sedan like the Royale, he would create a supercar. Until then, supercars were built with just one goal, ultimate performance. The Bugatti EB110 
would blend that performance with luxury, creating a new expression of prestige. Although Artioli failed, others would take up where I left off, leading to such exclusive, powerful and luxurious cars such as the Spiker C12 Segato. While this new expression of prestige has flourished, the traditional approach to building impressive automobiles continues, as evidenced by the Rolls-Royce Phantom series. This massive lim limousine features traditional upright styling, a handcrafted leather and wood interior, suicide style doors, all in keeping with the grand classics of the 1930s. It has proven so successful that the company has even added a convertible and coupage to the range. The success of the Rolls-Royce Phantom has proved positive that among prestigious automobiles, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Duesenberg Model A. Rolls Royce Piccadilly Roadster. similar. It's an interesting mix of materiality between the two. Rolls Royce boat tail convertible. It does indeed look like a boat. L29 Speedster. Mercedes Benz 380K convertible. Eldorado, a very familiar face. Mercedes Benz 300 SL Golden. These doors are really cool. I wonder how they show them open. Ah, of course. They had to. The most recent version of this has these doors similarly. And it's retained this iconic grill. And 
fact, I think Mercedes are moving back towards this a bit more. It's just beautiful. Very, very sophisticated classic car. Then, by complete comparison, Bugatti EV110. Martin Vanquish S. I like this, but I always far preferred their DB series. I think my last favourite DB is the DB9 or the DB9S. I thought the DB10 started to lose some of its uniqueness. And the Rolls Royce Phantom. Charles Legato. Very interesting concept. I love the juxtaposition here between the bright interior and the very monochrome exterior. on the coffee machines that Starbucks have. I like it, it's very old school. So the next section is built for speed. First questions asked when standing here in the car, any car is, what will she do? It's a query that has been handed down from generation to generation since the dawn of the automobile. To go faster than the other guy is a primal urge. It continues to drive automakers to this day. Being built for speed also goes hand in hand with motorsports. What's the point in building the world's fastest car if you've no one to beat? 
Naturally, cars built for speed owe their lineage to the crucible of competition. Racing makes or breaks reputations. The street merely provides an avenue to strut one stop after all the heavy lifting has been done on the track. Being built for speed involves a certain attitude, a confidence and cockiness in being willing to take on all corners. Cars built for speed are not shy and retiring types. By their nature, they're loud, brash and not necessarily good looking. The form definitely follows function, the function being travelling at a high velocity. Ferraris are built for speed, Enzo Ferrari lived to race. The cars he created were meant for sport. Branching out into road cars was the only way he could make the money he needed to continue racing. As a result, many of his early efforts for both the road and the track reflected this motorsports ethic. The cars were not ornate but instead spare and muscular. Large openings in the front and open exhausts ensure that the engines could breathe. Suspensions were rock hard, shifters gated to protect the fragile gears. The cars were fast but not easy to drive. It took Herculean strength to master these beasts. Others would follow in Ferrari's footsteps, but not necessarily down the same path. Colin Chapman has a similar need for speed and a burning desire to compete. His cars were a feat by Ferrari's standards. Lightweight and nimble and yet no less blindingly fast, as evidenced by the Lotus Esprit S4. Lotus used exotic composite materials, monocoque construction and relatively small displacement high revving engines to achieve terminal velocity. As technology evolved and became more sophisticated, cars built for speed would also become more complex. While cars in the early years could easily surpass 100 miles per hour, which is 160 kilometers per hour, the balance of the 20th century would be consumed with breaking the 200 mile per hour, 322 kilometer per hour, mark in a row car. Never mind that during the 1970s, performance was all but throttled due to oil shortages and increased emission regulation. But like all barriers, the 200 mile per hour wall could be smashed through advanced, through advanced technology. Forced induction and all wheel drive would become more important than straight exhaust and stiff springs. Cars like the Nissan Skyline GTR and Lamborghini's Merch Largo and Gallardo rely on high horsepower engines, made it a sure-footed all-wheel drive to run with the big dogs and become legends in their own right. Yet the formula for producing these land-bound rockets remain largely the same. A maker would build these cars with an eye towards competition. McLaren, noted for its winning ways in Formula 1, wanted to translate its technology to create the world's fastest streetcar. It succeeded with the stunning F1. It wasn't long after the car was launched that McLaren found itself at the track, winning Le Mans with a racing version of the car. Even 10 years after its launch, the McLaren F1 remains one of the world's fastest cars. But McLaren is not alone. When Porsche, which had its share of Le Mans victories, decided to withdraw from competition at that level, set its resources loose on producing the Carrera GT, a mid-engined V10 supercar that traces its roots directly back to motorsports. Steve Celine wanted to create the ultimate American supercar, the S7. It too was raced and capable of 200 mile per hour plus speeds. Even the all-American Corvette would take to circuits the world over to prove itself. Throughout its history, that car would have competition bred variants from the very first Z06, 
1963 through the current set of six with one purpose in mind, speed. MM Roadster. I think you can see hints of the California in its grill. Or is it the GTO? One of them anyway. The classic Chevrolet Corvette. This body reminds me of the Jaguar E-Type. Another beautiful classic car. I'm surprised we haven't seen yet actually. I like the painted walls. The Ferrari 250 GTO. I was never a fan of this grill styling. This unibody lock is gorgeous. McLaren F1 XP4. Look at that. Beautiful lines. Porsche Carrera GT, the first of many, many iterations of Porsche Carreras. I think this is one of the better looking Porsches. spider. Merch Lago Roadster. Insane lines again. It's a much softer version I think. Lamborghini. Everything's a little bit more rounded.
911 turbo Corvette 706 coupe for today's video. I'll put up another video soon that does the final two sections of this particular book. I hope you enjoyed it. I found it relaxing. Regardless of whether or not you're a, a car fan or not. <laughs> <laughs>